Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I am good. I'm excited about today's topic. Me too. Let's get right into it. Controversial. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking, and we never talk about controversial stuff on the show, do we? We're not very good at being controversial. No, we're totally part of our charm. I know. (laughs) We just don't really take strong positions ever, and um, we don't like arguing with each other, but (laughs) we kind of think whatever you're doing out there is all good. Probably okay. But it's a fun topic. It is a fun topic. topic Is homework. Homework. And I have a feeling we will branch into academic expectations and things as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great topic. Kind of a hot topic right now, I'm feeling like. Well, you know, you, you were, and I were talking about this off, um, offline or whatever. Off the record. Off the record. Thank you. Um, and you were kind of saying how you had felt like you took a controversial position a few years ago. Like you thought your opinion about homework, which you will share, was a little edgy. Yeah. But now you think that's not the case. I don't. I feel like, um, yeah, we'll get into the nitty gritty, but I feel like we're in the beginning of a movement that's going to take us away from having a lot of assigned homework for young elementary school students. And that's not that's totally different than when we're talking about middle school and high school. Yeah. But um, that the homework situation in our traditional public schools for really little kids has gotten almost absurd, I feel like. And I think people are starting to notice. Yeah. And there's some good research to back up why it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get into all of that, but first a couple of things, just, um, we always like to welcome new listeners. If this is your first time listening to the mom hour and you have no idea who we are or what this is, first of all, we're so happy you're here. Um, we're having new listeners sign on and subscribe all the time. And a lot of people who've never even listened to a podcast before. So um, we love that. And thank you for being here. If this is your first time, one of the best things to do after you listen to us chat is head to themomhour.com. 
and there is the archives for all the shows, all 44 plus this one is number 45. Um, and there's also just a lot of other things on themomhour.com. You can find out more about us. You can check out all the other topics we've talked about. You can leave a comment or find out how to subscribe to the show. And we even have a couple of tutorials like how to get a podcast on your phone if you are not quite there yet in your tech experience. So um, yeah, if this is your first time, welcome. And we hope you'll hop over to themomhour.com. It makes it all make a lot more sense, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So thanks for being here. And um, we did want to also share a little exciting news about our show and podcasts in general. And that is that we were nominated for an Iris Award, um, which means nothing to likely a lot of you. But it is a pretty cool um, peer nominated award in the moms and media space. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that, Megan? Yeah. So the Iris Awards... um came out of a conference that we've both gone to. I've gone a few times and you've gone just once just went, yeah. a couple of years ago um, called the Mom 2.0 Summit. And it's a great conference. It really brings together some of the best um, content creators <laughs> and all around people in the space. And they started an award um, program a few years ago to recognize the best content creators in the online parenting space. <laughs> and, this year is the very first year of this podcasting category, which I'm excited about um, because my other show, The Home Hour, was nominated in that category. But we were The Mom Hour was also nominated in another category that's not just for podcasts, which I thought yeah, was exciting. Was because, our, yeah, yeah um, it was our, our partnership that we did with Responsibility.org a long time ago now. Well, no, I guess it wasn't that, I don't know, like around the holidays, right? Yeah. Well, no, we, our very first one, the one we're actually nominated for was almost a year ago. It was one of oh, our gosh. very early yeah, episodes. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, to be recognized for working with brands um, in the same way that blogs do, it's all, yeah. it's good for podcasting and very cool for our show. And we're an amazing company, yes, I have to say. Um, so it, um, we'll link to the information about the Iris Awards because it's a great way to find other podcasts and other blogs. So if you like us and you want more like us, um, we're in some great company and some other amazing people putting great stuff out. Yeah. Um, so we'll link to that and you can see the the fancy schmancy awards that we get to go to. And so. in a couple of weeks, Sarah, and I yeah. will be together in Southern California and we will deck ourselves out. Yes, there will be to... some kind of sparkles, yes, I feel. Some sparkles and <laughs> maybe we'll instagram from there or something yeah i mean well, of course we will <laughs> so maybe we will kidding? get on the internet and i talk saw about it. Ooh, i saw someone refer to the iris awards as the bloskers yeah like that. so yes think of it that way i love it i yeah. love it except um, i will probably be wearing a dress from jc penny so it's yeah. not gonna be you know all out high fashion for me hey, this year there's so no designer dressing me unfortunately yeah. For yeah. so many moms who don't get to go to award ceremonies on a regular basis, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all true. good. Yep. Fancy. Um, okay. So homework. I want to like kind of set the stage for, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about elementary school homework because I think I know you have experience through all the grades and I really want to hear from you, but yeah. we will start, I think, at the elementary level. And that's obviously where my experience is. But um, as I not very subtly suggested a few minutes ago. Um, I personally am not a big fan of homework for young elementary school kids, first kindergarten, first, second grade, especially when that homework is worksheets or things that they need parental help with. And, you know, there's lots of research and lots of details, but for me, it comes down to what I feel like uh, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds should be doing that best serves them and the family between the hours of 3 and 8 p.m., 
homework just really falls at the end of a very long list of other things that are better than homework. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I don't think homework sure. is the is necessarily the worst thing in the world. But when when it's a choice between homework and setting the table or homework right. and playing outside or homework and interacting with siblings or homework and reading for fun, homework just loses, in my in my opinion. Um, and we also have to say right up front that we know and acknowledge and have heard from so many teachers and fans of teachers that this is not um, something that teachers are doing to us. This is sort of a systemic problem, yeah. at least in yes. my opinion. And um, we love teachers is the bottom line. I could yeah. go on about that. But we know that a lot of times teachers' hands are tied or their intentions are great. Um, so it's this is not a teacher bashing thing at all. In fact, right. I think a lot of teachers are actually on our side. So yeah. they're on my side. <laughs> I'm not going to rope you into my... Um, <laughs> But do you want to talk about, maybe let's just kind of share what homework looks sure. like in our house right now. You have a first grader and I have a second grader. And that's well, hey, of... I didn't tell you yet what my opinion is. <laughs> yes, I don't so know. So you don't even know. No, tell me. You do, but let's yeah. just pretend like you don't know. Okay. Don't. <laughs> our dear <laughs> so listeners. So I will say that um, up until, you know, I've been aware of the homework issue for a while. Um, we live in the Midwest and as with almost everything, like flat brim baseball hats and, you know. <laughs> basically everything else in the world, uh, trends take a while to trickle in. So I would say, you know, I've been hearing kind of a lot of fuss about homework for probably 10 years. I mean, okay. I, at least since my oldest kids were in elementary school. Right. And I never really, I mean, I, I was, theoretically, if you'd asked me and really pinned me down, I would have been like, yeah, homework's dumb at that age. Who cares? But I never really experienced that being an issue in our house. Um, mm -hmm. My older two went to um, parochial schools. So they were like in third and fifth grade and they're you know, it was totally different. And mm -hmm. then um, I would say, you know, with the middle two, Owen and Will, who are now 10 and 12, it just really like elementary school was not a lot of homework. There wasn't a lot of expectations. Mm -hmm. And they were also the kinds of kids who would just get it done. And I didn't really yeah. ever even have to see it. It just got right. done. It was never yeah. a thing, you know. Um, what I'm finding disturbing is how drastically different things got really quickly this year yeah. with Clara. Uh, she's in first grade. She's got a newer teacher. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. I, I think sometimes the more old school teachers like stick to their guns a little longer because yeah. they've been doing things their way for a long time and maybe they get a little more leeway from administration. I don't know. I, I'm just guessing. But um, that could be part of it. But I feel like the home, the focus of homework – I remember when, you know, some of my kids were younger and they had like a folder that would come home on Fridays and, mm -hmm. and like kind of had something homework-like in it. Like, you know, you'd have your reading log or whatever for the next week or you might have something that was suggested that you do with your family. But it, was, it wasn't homework. And right. what I'm – she's, you know, now um, at the beginning of the year, Clara had just computerized homework and I actually at – at her conference in the fall told the teacher, because at the time we only had um, one major, like one main home computer for the family. Right. And I said, you know, honestly, Clara, it's a the end of a long line of kids waiting to right. use that computer for projects right. and stuff. And I was like, and you know, she, the, basically the gist was she's not going to do her homework because right. right. I'm not going to make her because that computer is being used by other things. And I, I just don't see the point. Um, and the teacher was kind of like, okay, it wasn't really a big deal. And then right. second semester, it became paper coming home, which is easier for me to manage because I really mm -hmm. don't want to have to babysit the computer. Yeah. And that I just really, I'd really rather my kids weren't on the computer anymore than they have to be. Um, but now it's like, it comes home on a Tuesday, it has to be back the next day, which wow. Is kind of, you know, not every evening is that yeah. something we're focusing on. Like, and, yeah. and kids 
you know, have long school days now. Yeah. So the instruction hours are getting longer and longer, and that, that trend is continuing. So this right. year, with they're going to less add and less more recess. On. Yeah. We're, we're kind of lucky in that area. I don't think they've taken our recesses in the same way that they've taken some areas, yeah. but still. Well, we I still mean, have recess, but I mean, but yeah. often it gets used now um, to finish work that didn't get done, which is another thing I could go on and on about. I mean, mm -hmm. technically, yes, recess happens, but if kids didn't get their work done and they have to stay in and do it during recess, it feels like a punishment to me. And I don't know. I, there's a lot about that. Like the adding on of more yeah. hours and time being spent, yes. I don't know that you can necessarily link that um, to better outcomes in the end. Everybody taps that at some point, you right. know? Right. So anyway, um, but, and anyway, like I was going to say about the long day, my kids, my elementary school kids don't get home from school till after four o'clock wow. and are going to bed around eight. Yeah. So that does not leave a lot of time. Right. right. And if you're a working parent who's not getting home until six, you know, and your kids are wherever they are, if they're at a sitter or wherever, that leaves you even less time. And yeah. I just think it's to me, you know, like you said, what else is there that a child's life should contain? Right. <laughs> And right. does it, and is this homework actually even, is it even like meeting the goals? Is it yeah. actually making this progress that they want it to? Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. 
That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. So anyway, you were about well, to say I'm, something else. But. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you posed that last question because research says. <gasps> what? You no. have an answer? Okay. <laughs> I have a database research answer. Nice. Um, no, more and more research is showing that not only is elementary school homework not indicative or predictive at all of overall academic success for the child, it it has an, a negative impact. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like not only are not only kids is who it do not neutral doing better in school, they yeah. are suffering in other ways, either not doing better in school or having additional problems, stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, whatever. And so not only know, is it not good, but it's bad. Not <laughs> all not all saying. studies <laughs> yes. are we you know, I think we'll yeah. save the hardcore data for those who want to look further into it. Um I have read a little bit and have some great articles that I will link to in the show notes. But I think probably more relevant to this discussion is what we see in our own families. Um, and I last year for first grade Ours does come home on a Friday and it's a folder for the whole week. So that is, I guess that's a a benefit to not needing to have it all done the next day. I don't think it made that much of a difference in helping us get through it. It seemed like we either wouldn't do it for a few days because I just didn't have the heart to enforce it. And then it would pile up and then it felt like a lot, even if it was supposed to be, say, 20 minutes a day. But 20 minutes a day, then if you don't do it for a few days, adds up. I mean, I know that's I know that's time management 101, but I didn't have the heart as the mother of a six year old to just enforce daily sit down worksheet time. So I was really kind of sabotaging the whole thing. And then I get guilty. I mean, I'm fully admitting I didn't handle it well last year in first grade. I get guilty and then I'd kind of put more pressure on her, like come Wednesday, Thursday to get it back for Friday. And it was not fun. She needed a lot, lot of sit down help last year. Not, not, she wasn't behind academically, but as a first grader, her reading was still developing. So with these math worksheets, sometimes there'd be word problems or instructions that, you know, they're barely reading in first grade. So now they're doing, (laughs) so it required me sitting with her. And I, I think you've said something similar about Clara. It requires, and when you have other children and other things going on that it's not, it's not difficult. And I don't want to turn this into a gripe session, but I'm sure there are families out there. But I know, but I do. Um, I'm sure there are families out there making, you know, homework work. And I will say that for second grade, I started off the year um, letting Allegra know that she was going to take a lot more responsibility. And I kind of helped her break down each day. You know, if you do two pages a day or, you know, 20 minutes a day and here's what it would look like. And at the beginning of the year, we had the best of intentions. And I've just quite honestly, I've just found my desire to enforce that or get behind the system at this point is just continuing to plummet because I just kind of feel in my heart that I can give her skills and tools for managing a homework load, but I don't want to because she's seven. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally get um, it. One of the things I want to kind of talk about in a minute is if you do feel strongly that something's not right for your child, you know, how do you take that to a teacher or take that to a school? I think we have one article that has some helpful points, but I won't go there right away because I think I kind of cut you off talking about Clara, but. Oh, well, no, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying about Allegra and um, Clara's homework causes a lot of stress in this Mm -hmm. house, more than any of the other kids' homework. And she's Mm -hmm. six, seven, sorry. Mm -hmm. She's seven. Oh my gosh. She just turned seven. So, um, so, so we were, you know, like, for example, she'll get it out and immediately she sees it and falls apart because yeah. 
It represents to her all of these things that she thinks that she doesn't know how to do well. The directions are often very, like you said, they're emerging readers. And she's a really good reader, but they're hard. Like the math problems, those questions don't always make a lot of sense. Sometimes I really have to sit down and give a sheet 10 minutes of my own like undivided attention before I really understand what they're asking for. Not to mention a lot of it is like new math and all that kind of stuff, but it's just not what we're used to. And it's not what I grew up doing. So like I have to reset my brain or I have to read the little thing they send home for the parents, you know, to look at and be like, okay, so how is, what is this? So Claire is already feeling defeated and we've literally just took the piece of paper out. And, you know, then I have to really break it down and say, this is all it's asking you to do. And then once she kind of does one, she realizes, oh, I know how to do this and she can do it. But we've just spent like 10 to 15 minutes just getting her in a mental place where she feels like she can even tackle it. Then usually it's got the other side. So hers are twice a week, this worksheet comes home that I think is supposed to only take like 20 minutes, but it always takes longer. It always takes longer. Right. So Agreed. just like That's getting my into it. Too. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other side is a story thing. So she has to read the book and then after she reads the, and then she has to do 20 minutes of reading a day anyway. So this, yeah. I think theoretically loops in with that, but you know, sometimes that she's like read a book in school and she wants to right. remark about that book. Right. And then she has to remember what, what it was. And so that one's like, just like a little story. You know, she usually has to pick out something she learned. What was the major point in the story? Da, da, da. And I, I love that kind of work. I feel like, yes, worksheets get a, lot, a bad rap. I don't. I think not all worksheets are created the same. And if it's encouraging, you know, thinking and it's not just scribbling dots right. or whatever, right. um, bubbles, it can be really valuable. But like my question really comes back down to what you said, Sarah, is like this the best use of anyone's time? Mm-hmm. Is it worth, you know, adding? And, and, and also, let me also be really clear. Um, I love the idea of parental involvement. And I think it's really important, but there's a lot of ways to be involved with your kids' education. Oh, amen. And amen. why would me trying to replicate something a skilled teacher can do who knows the curriculum, understands how to teach it, like right. wh- what possible uh, benefit, <laughs> what right. value add am I possibly bringing to the table? I'm terrible at that. I'm not right. very patient. I don't understand right. the work. Like to me, that just adds this stressful unnecessary blip in our day that now we have to grind through for what? Yep. Well, um, that's a perfect setup for this salon.com piece I want to bring up and we will link to it, but I want to look into it a little bit. It's written by Heather Shoemaker, who's a parenting writer that you actually interviewed um, a couple of years ago. And I think she has a new book out. uh, She has a new book out. Yeah. Her first book is It's Okay Not to Share. I believe I have the title right. Um, And then her new book is a playoff of that title, isn't it? It's, I think so. I think yeah, it's like, it's like okay. To not, it's we'll like, just it's we'll okay just to do something. It. It's okay yeah. to not do something. Um, we will link to all the information about I'm Heather. Look she's, this up she's right a, now because this is embarrassing. But it was just, I just was looking at it the other day, so it's probably like it's okay not to care. No, it's, I'm sure. It's so mm, to go okay. up the slide. Isn't to go up the slide. Like yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. Hey, and so you know, we could we could a, have a whole conversation about that because I that is one of my parenting triggers, as I believe we've discussed. Kids going up the slide it makes me nuts. But my kids aren't at the age anymore that they even try to, so, so it's yeah. it's beyond it's except past, for Clara it's, who never would anyway. But yeah. So this piece that Heather wrote, um it's a great, it's a fantastic article. I'm, I'm going to read two paragraphs because it speaks exactly to what you're talking about. And then she goes on to talk about how in her family, how they do opt out of homework respectfully and in partnership with the teachers, not just as like a giant 
you know, middle finger. middle finger, if that makes sense. So, but these is two really important paragraphs, I think. She says, when homework comes prematurely, it's hard for children to cope with assignments independently. They need adult help to remember assignments and figure out how to do the work. Kids slide into the habit of relying adults on adults to help with homework or, in many cases, do their homework. Parents often assume the role of homework patrol cop. Being chief nag is a nasty, unwanted job, but this role frequently lingers through the high school years. Besides the constant conflict, having a homework patrol cop in the house undermines one of the purported purposes of homework, responsibility. And then she goes on to say pretty much what you were just saying, which is homework supporters say homework teaches responsibility, reinforces lessons taught in school, and creates a homeschool link with parents. However, involved parents can see what's coming home in a child's backpack and initiate sharing about school work. They don't need to monitor their child's progress with assigned homework. Responsibility is taught daily in multiple ways. That's what pets and chores are for. It takes responsibility for a six-year-old to remember to bring her hat and lunchbox home. It takes responsibility for an eight-year-old to get dressed, make his bed, and get out the door every morning. As for reinforcement, that's an important factor, but it's only one factor in learning. Non-academic priorities, good sleep, family relationships, and active playtime are vital for balance and well-being. They also directly impact a child's memory, focus, behavior, and learning potential. Elementary lessons are reinforced every day in school. After school time is precious for the rest of the child. So, um, you know, you know, what just popped into my head as you were reading all this yeah. is, isn't it funny how much we stress adults having outside lives, turning, you know, turning the work off, turning the phone off mm-hmm. or whatever it is that links them to work at the end of the work day and setting that aside. And yet mm-hmm. we don't get we don't grant that same basic right or I guess need mm-hmm. to kids. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. No, <laughs> they have even less free time than we do, really. If you think and about I, it, they need more sleep. They're, you know, yeah. at school more more of their waking hours. Yeah. And I also think we've somehow slipped into this belief that um to get a child ready for the next stage of responsibility means we should give them more responsibility right now. Right. But like you wouldn't let William take the car because he's going to someday get his driver's license. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's there's something we somehow went wrong there, I think, um, in assuming that we have to prepare them for, you know, the the hardcore world of middle school. So let's start their homework in kindergarten when in fact to prepare them for middle school, we need to be developing the whole kid in all of these ways. I think that Heather says so eloquently. not give not giving them disproportionately mature responsibilities. Does that make yeah. sense? No, and I love her point about how then it puts it really in the parents' court. And I, which, yeah, I see which, that. Like I the more I have to, that. the more I have to kind of babysit or oversee yeah. um, homework being done, the less likely we'll be able to transition out of that. You know, kids I, get used to it. Yeah, I I had not even thought about that. Get they don't have it. older kids, but it it does set up a dangerous precedent yeah. um, where it would be hard for both parent and child to. Yeah, to get out of that partnership, that dance. So, anyway. and, a, and a third thing I will say, um, and you know, this is kind of along those same lines, and not exactly what we're talking about here. But I think another thing that ends up happening that's really unfair is that the the kids whose parents are either more available, more able, right. uh-huh. or more willing, and we all have different levels of those three things, <laughs> you right. know, right. Um, to do those, you know, to help are the kids who then kind of by default end up being more successful. And that's completely, not only is it unfair, it just doesn't, well, it's unfair. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Like if, right. if a kid doesn't get their homework done because right. their mom is 
kind of forgetful like me right. or really overwhelmed with other things like right. I sometimes am or doesn't care like I'm sure some parents don't or is just not physically able for whatever reason to be available right. or doesn't understand the work because English is a second language or right. they don't understand it or, yep. you know, or they're, for whatever reason they can't help, right. then that kid basically gets penalized because yes. homework becomes right. such an essential part. For what reason, though? It's not, it's not like it has to be that way. And, yeah, and it, it can yeah. turn into a tricky judgment on the family, like like, and I, you kind of said this, but like families who care versus families who don't care. Right? Yeah, where that's that's really irrelevant in the academic success of the child. I mean, the yeah. child learning, I think, is the priority, if I remember yeah. correctly, about school. So it can become kind of like a, a the gold star for parenting, which is yeah. kind of misses the point. Um, I, I want to correct myself because I, I there are two pieces by Heather that I'll link to. The salon piece that we were just talking about is fantastic. Um, but the one I was remembering about how she gives examples of how they choose to opt out, opt out of homework is actually yeah. on her own blog. So oh, in okay, case I confused cool. anyone, I will link to both. And okay. um, she actually gives a sample letter that they send to the teacher um, that's very respectful and kind of talks about like their family values and why homework. And then um, there are, you know, other options in in working with a teacher to say, look, here's how much we read together as a family. Here's the learning that goes on in our home. Here's what we believe about homework. How can we work together to make sure that, you know, the child is learning, but that, um, you know, basically we're not going to do homework. So right. it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating. I have not taken it to that level myself um, yeah. of communicating to the teacher, but I will say our second grade teacher is one of those, like you mentioned, where I do I, in my heart, I think she does not believe in homework. She's never right. come yeah. out and said that, but I feel that I can kind of, um, we, we haven't really opted out, honestly. Yeah. We just don't make a big stress over it. So sometimes right. it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Allegra's a natural pleaser. She's, she want, you know, she naturally wants to please her teacher. I don't need to put any additional pressure. So sometimes I say, Hey, it's Wednesday or Thursday, homework's due tomorrow. Do you feel like doing some of that or have you done any? And so I, I've, I've, I've backed way off from even where I was about six months ago on it. Yeah. I've, you know, we've kind of come to the point where oftentimes the homework comes back half done with a scroll, you know, scribbled note from mom. Right. Sorry, right. ran out of time. You know, she had trouble, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes we right. just forget. And I, you know, I haven't really made a big point about it. It's not, you know, Clara's had a lot of anxiety issues this year. So yeah. it's not like homework yeah. has been my stand that I'm taking but right. I was very clear at her last conference that she's having a hard time just right. like just dealing with the fact that she has to go right. to school every day and sometimes things are going to slip through the cracks and right. and the nice thing about elementary school in theory is that depending on what kind of grading system they have really whether or not they get their homework done shouldn't really affect the out it's not like she's now going to get a d right I mean she's right. getting like exactly. a two three or four depending right. on whether she learned it or didn't and so right. you know I, I think for me, the hardest part is not feeling like I'm now being pegged as like that parent who doesn't pay attention or I that agree. parent who doesn't have their I crap agree. together. But really, as far as Clara goes, it's not really going to affect her, yes. you know, unless, you know, but that said, those labels stick with kids. And, yeah. you know, if you're known as like the kid whose parents don't care about whether yeah. you get school, you know, anything done or not, yeah. that can affect what teachers you get down the road. And that can affect the way those teachers interact with you and stuff. And so it's it's delicate, but I think there's enough of us all kind of in the same boat. And I think especially because I do feel like there's a marked difference now about like the kinds of homework and the amount of homework that's mm -hmm. suddenly coming home for these mm -hmm. really young kids. Um, I think there's a lot of parents who are like, whoa, you know, having a hard time yeah. keeping up. So we're probably all kind of in it together. I to agree. Some degree. 
I agree. And I think um, that's a good, that's, you make a really good point about why um, communicating with the teacher up front and early, um, especially communicating respectfully. We did hear from a few teachers on this topic. I threw it out on social media knowing we were going to discuss it. And more than one teacher said, you know, the parents who kind of rub teachers the wrong way are the ones who come off as if they know better or that they don't care enough to learn what's happening in school. And I, I do, I would never want to be perceived that way because I respect teachers so much and I do want to be involved and I believe in education, yada, yada. So whether it's, it may not be as formal as like a letter stating why you don't believe in homework, but to, to communicate with a teacher early in the year and upfront um, I think probably dissolves some of that and may also, you know, mean you don't get the like slacker mom label, you know, right. if you just yeah, totally. set up front and you may, you, you know, there's always going to be teachers where you just don't see eye to eye and, yeah. and you may rub a teacher the wrong way, but for sure you have a higher chance, I think of rubbing a teacher wrong way. If you just silently buck the system but, without yeah. bringing it up and that it may not, you know, put your kid in a great position either. So, right. I don't know. Yeah. Awkward conversations are awkward, but yeah, they it- are. You know, and I'm remembering too. And 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 frankly, there are times of my life, like I said, that where homework's not been a big thing, and I you're just like, okay, I don't want, I don't need to be a squeaky wheel on right. principle about everything because right. I can sometimes get myself really, um, like hot under the collar <laughs> about things just on principle, and I need to be selective about which of those right. things that I actually. Right. Like make a stink, you know, like a stink about. Um, but sometimes it's also situational, right? So like right. a kid who's really just gets it done and it's not a big deal, yes. then okay, whatever. But like exactly. I can remember when I was pregnant with Clara, she was born in March. Um, Isaac was in third grade and he had just like third grade's a hard transition year, just mm-hmm. FYI. That's yeah, when like that's... really the responsibility starts to kind of pile on. Yeah. And a lot of kids waver um during that year. I've heard from multiple teachers. But I remember sending an, and John was working out of town like a lot. And I remember mm-hmm. sending his teacher, Isaac's teacher, an email. And I just said, I just want to let you know, I'm probably not going to be like of any use to you <laughs> for a while. You know, just yeah. like I am going to be flaking out hardcore yeah. for the rest of the school year. It's yeah. over. Like yeah. February through February, you had me. And now I'll do what I can. He will come yeah. to school fed and clothed. Yeah. Yeah. And she was really great about it. I think just sometimes them knowing like what's going on in your household that might be yeah. affecting yeah. that decision as well or that sort of your ability to deal um, yeah. can make a difference and maybe I, yeah, create some goodwill. I agree. I agree. And I think, I mean, I have a lot, lot less experience than you do, but I just have I have had mostly good experience with teachers, especially when you you show that you're best intentions are there yeah. and that you care about your kid and that you care about the teacher and you know that they're working hard. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. 
Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I think, you know, I think teachers sometimes suffer from a general assumption that they could be doing more or that they're, you know, and I think their hands are tied in so many ways. So yeah. give them and the benefit of the doubt. I think the other thing, the other thing teachers told us is that a lot of times um, <clears throat> when parents, when their kids aren't doing well in school and the parents are kind of at a loss, they ask for more homework. Yeah. So that's one of the, so then the yeah. teachers are dealing with like the parents who don't like it and the parents who yeah. want more and yeah. they don't always know. I've heard that from multiple to people too. Um, yeah. So well, we're going to transition, I think, to talking about older kids. But yeah. before we do, I want to mention a couple of past podcast episodes, because if you are in early elementary, as Megan is with her last child and I am with my first couple of kids, we've had some great podcast episodes. So I will link to them. But we talked about how to choose a school for your kids, which was a really interesting discussion. That was episode 16 of the mom hour. And then we also talked about debunking the myth of the good school mom, meaning we talked a lot about volunteering at school and PTA and the pressure to, you know, be a good school mom, which really dovetails, I think, with what we're talking about right now. Um, That was episode 21. And then I feel like we have plugged your interview with Erica Ladd on the home hour, maybe more than any other. It seems like it always comes up, but she's a teacher and an author who you interviewed even before we launched this show, you interviewed her on the home hour. And she talked about from a teacher's perspective, she's an early elementary teacher, um, kindergarten, I think, and um, um, how to support teachers. So all of the, all three of those, I'll link to that. That was an episode of the home hour. Um, really, I think are, so if you want more of this, what we've just been talking about for the last 25 minutes, um, be sure to check those out. But, um, I'm really eager to hear about your middle and high schoolers. Yeah. And how not just homework, but testing and (laughs) academic communications. Yeah. It's a big, so So, enlighten us. Yeah. I, we're talking a little bit uh, about elementary school kids, right? You know, we have been, yeah. and that's where the, you know, we're seeing the trend maybe. Um, but you know, the, the expectations of older kids have gotten, in my opinion, out of control. Um, so this isn't going to get better. This is not going to get, in fact, well, it worries me because now, you know, I worry that because now it's trickling in, like, it's just going to get worse. You know, like I'm seeing like the back end mm-hmm. of it. Um, Maybe it'll start getting better for you before it starts getting better for me. <laughs> but, you know, they're adding, like I said, they're adding more hours 
Um, so like in Michigan, this is a state mandate. Um, okay. It used to be like they had to either have 180 days or so, so many education hours. Right. So when we were little kids, it was 180 days and the day was, you know, however long it was. And then at some point, I think the schools could choose. They could either add on more days or they could add more hours. And our mm-hmm. particular district added, I think, almost an hour to the day. I think that's why it's so much longer now than because the kids, my kids go from 825 to 350. And that's a pretty long day. Not yeah. all schools have that long of a day. But I think they did that because they wanted to keep everyone's summer break, you know, intact. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's like now they're coming back and saying, well, you can't have one or the other. You have to have both. So now they also have to add on more days. So mm-hmm. next year, the school year, I think will be about two weeks longer than it is now. Um, I just feel like on every level, and that's that's everybody, not just high schools and, and middle schoolers, but on every level, it's like school is just kind of inching out to eat up more and more mm-hmm. of our lives in addition to, you know, um, organized activities like sports, mm-hmm. which we've talked about. We should talk about that one, too, because that's another yeah. one of those, like, how do you fit it all in? That You yeah. know, it's, it's something you're supposed to do. Everyone's supposed to put yeah. their kids in these activities. And that one's also getting younger and younger. Younger like these and other younger, trends. more and more <laughs> organized. Teams yeah, more and more time yes. consuming, more and more money. And at what point does the family and free time just get, like, edged out? I mean, that's what are we, what are we even working toward here? And mm-hmm. with my older kids, it's kind of a funny situation because, um, I have two high schoolers and one of them is the kind of kid who just gets his stuff done and doesn't really talk about it a whole lot. And so he doesn't complain. He does fine. It's not a problem. Uh, my older one is like the one who'll get anxious about it, but then mm-hmm. ultimately not get it done because he just doesn't mm-hmm. care, but he wants to make like a big thing about it, you know? Yeah. So I, those, they're a little bit of an anomaly. I think it'll be really interesting to see how William that's mm-hmm. the one where I'm a little bit worried because he's always he's been kind very of a pleaser, isn't he's he? A pleaser he, yeah. And he's always been the kid who just gets, he's dependable. He just gets yeah. what's, whatever is expected of him is what he gets done. And if, if you don't expect a whole lot, he'll, he'll meet your expectations and not surpass. Like he's that mm-hmm. kid, you know, but if, and which is, which works great when not that much is expected, right. you know, but I have a feeling that's going to switch a little bit because he's going to get in high school and realize there's really no limit to what's expected. You mm-hmm. could really do, you mm-hmm. could just continue to pile stuff on. You could continue to add on activities and mm-hmm. you could always study more and you could always do better and you could always take harder classes. And I think he may have a really hard time deciding, like having the knowledge of like who he is to say, well, this is as good as I need to be, or this right. is as much as I need to do. And so that's going right. to be tricky. Which is really hard when it you're is. 14 and 15. Yeah. yeah. And especially when you have that kind of like, you know, not a perfectionist necessarily, but wants to achieve right. and wants to make everyone happy. And, and right. having, you know, I would say the older two are pretty individualist. And so mm-hmm. they haven't really had a hard time like drawing that line for themselves, mm-hmm. sometimes to my chagrin. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, could you just it's care a, a little bit more? It is. It's really hard now because I feel like, to be very honest, I feel like it makes me look bad. Like, it's mm-hmm. hard because I feel like if they tried a little harder, they would do better and then it would look, and then, that's being very honest. I mean, yeah. that's not a flattering picture of me, but I'll, because right. in the end, that individuality I think will serve them really well. But for the kids who maybe are a little more, thinking about how they fit mm-hmm. in, you know, society or the rank in their class or mm-hmm. whatever it is, how they fit, then it's it's harder to draw those lines, right? And I that's where you see those kids getting stressed out. And I'll never forget the conversation I had with Jacob a few years ago <clears throat> when oh, I yeah. was talking to him about <laughs> drugs and thought we yeah. were going to talk about, you know, like pot or, you know, something fun. Not to say it's fun, but I'm just saying like something kids do for fun. And he was like, oh, no, everyone's just on Adderall. So, Amazing. but 
Like yeah. I didn't even know what to do with that, you know, yeah. but he said, well, everyone does it to do better in school and no one seems to think anything's wrong with it. And, and I mean, that just blew my mind because I thought I obviously do not understand this culture of kids. Like yeah. I, you know, that's so far removed from anything like I really grew up right. with. So and you're in a small town public school, good yeah. schools, but, but we're not talking about, um, like elite prep schools no, or anything. This is a small town in, public school. Yeah. Midwest America. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it worries me. It does. And I'm trying yeah. to just kind of opt out as much as I can from adding to the pressure yeah. while still reminding the kids, like, you know, you still, this is still high school and it's, it matters because it does affect a lot down the road, right. but you have to kind of, at some point, let them almost decide how much it matters. And that's yeah. tough. That is really, really tough. Yeah. Oh man. So, well, I want good um, luck. Good luck with all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, our, one of our listeners, a brand new listener, actually, Rachel, um, is a new mom, but a middle school seventh grade teacher. And I know your best friend, Jenna is also a middle school teacher. Yeah. Um, but Rachel sent us this awesome, really detailed email with some of her perspective. And I, I want to bring up a couple of her points. And she, again, this is a middle school perspective. Um, but she had a couple of really good points. Um, one was just a small tip. And that is to not if you think your kid is struggling, number one, and she was the one who said a lot of times it's the kids who are struggling, whose parents ask for more homework, right. um, which as a teacher, she said, that's not always the right answer. But sometimes that's the what what's coming, the request coming from home. But the other thing she said is, don't feel like you have to hire an outside tutor before mm. working with your child's teacher in middle school. That the teachers are often very willing to sit down with a parent or try and figure out what's going on and even spend a little extra time with a kid. Um, yeah, no, so I thought that was really interesting and I can see the pressure, again, going back to what you were talking about, of going right to the answer must be more homework or extra tutoring. Um, so just talk to the teacher first is, is what she's saying. Um, and then the other point I think she makes um, that is really good is that if you've been hand-holding, and this, Heather Shoemaker in her article mentioned this, if you've been hand-holding all through elementary school, you, you can't just <laughs> then say, now we're in middle school, it's all your responsibility. Right. So she says, she says they do need to be accountable and responsible, but they may, it may be a transition for them. So if you've yeah. been helping and then all of a sudden <laughs> just say, all right, yep. It's You're a big you kid now. now. Yep. And I thought that was really wise. She said they need to experience the consequences, you know, for forgetting things, but that, but that, that will be a transition for them, especially if they've been, you know, closely parented academically throughout yep. elementary school. And then finally, I know this is a big one for you. So this should make you smile is that she said, if your child is in middle school or high school, make them email and contact the teacher first yes. before you get involved so yep. that you can be in the background supporting, but teach your kids to advocate for themselves and to be the point of contact for the teachers as opposed to doing it for them. So yep. I know that you've mentioned that before. I mean, that's a constant thing in here. Like you, you know, email your teacher and I ask my kids to copy me on the email. The mm -hmm. first First of all, they need to learn how to write an right. email to somebody yeah. who is, you know, it's not a professional relationship, but they need to be able right. to do that. Like, and right. it's not just a couple of lines of text on a phone or something. Right. So that's number it's one. A, it's, an, a, it's just like a life skill. It's not, a life skill. Yeah. yeah. And one that I feel like the younger, like now, every time I'm dealing, not every time, but the more I deal with people now that are in their 20s. Uh, in their young 20s, I feel like it's getting worse and worse. Like I'm, I'm getting emails from people on a, on a professional basis. Often they come and I'm like, seriously, have you ever sent a full email before? <laughs> You're in PR. You should really know how right. to do that. But it's just, it's, I believe, becoming a problem. Not to sound like a curmudgeon, yeah. but I don't think kids are used to sitting down and writing out lengthy communications. And I right. think that's something where they get to the point clearly right. and right. use punctuation and stuff. So yeah. that's important. And it's also important that this is their day. Like, yeah. They need to, you know, when the teacher responds and says, 
um, this is what you need to do to bring your grade up. Right. I want that to go to them because right. Right. then later they can't be like they didn't know. Right. <laughs> you right. know, I mean, it's on them. So I totally agree with that. So true. Yeah. Um, no, I thought I thought all of her feedback was great. Um, I also wanted to mention that our friends Asha and Christine at the Edit Your Life Show podcast did a homework episode um, a while back, and both of both Asha and Christine have middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. Christine then has a much younger one who I don't think has homework yet, and then Asha has a high schooler. So most of their discussion was around, I would say, kind of middle school age or maybe late elementary school age. And yeah. they had some very practical tips about making homework work. So I just wanted, since we kind of bashed on elementary school homework for the first half hour, <laughs> when it comes time to actually do homework, that's a great resource. Um, and they talked about how they how they set expectations in their home for when kids do it and all of that. So um, we didn't really go there with the elementary school ages, but that's another good resource that I will link to for sure. I, you know, one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about, yeah. um, I was, I kind of just <clears throat> dug into like the expectations on kids and yeah. stuff, especially at the high school level. One, one thing I've seen thrown around a lot, and I'm pretty sure this came up in comments on, um, Facebook maybe is this idea that kids, you know, like roughly 10 minutes per grade. And I, I agree with that up to a certain point, but even that I feel like becomes arbitrary and taps out after right. a while. Like why? Okay. So yeah, 10, you know, 10 minutes of homework for a first grader. Sure. Right. Why not? I guess. Right. I mean, not, I'm not going to say, right. you know, why not, I guess. I mean, that's like right. the most lukewarm response I could right. have, I guess. But you get to like sixth graders having 60 minutes right. every yeah. night. Yeah. 10th graders having 100 minutes yeah. every night. I. That's yeah. when the expectations of them and every other way are becoming, are going through the roof. I just, I don't get why they can't get the learning done that they need to get done in a shorter amount of time during the day or else maybe... I mean, I hate to like sound like a defeatist about it or like I encourage, um, what's the word when you're just adequate, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> um, you know, mediocrity. mediocrity. Thank you. That took us it's way not too long that, but it's like at some point, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a race to nowhere. Where are we yeah. going? What are we doing? Like what are, what standard of living are we hoping our kids will achieve by being so much smarter than everybody else that they right. don't already have. I just, right. I just feel like at some point it's the whole American dream of like your kids having a little bit better of life than you did. Right. Uh, what, I mean, what more do they want? I don't get right. it. I feel like it's becoming like out of control and it's almost an inverse relationship now between the level of success you get and how happy right. you are because there's so right. much upkeep. Right. So I right. don't know. That's just a completely off the wall thing that really has nothing to do with homework necessarily, but it all ties together. It's all these expectations and for what? For what? Yeah. And I think the arbitrariness is so key. And that's, I mean, not to, I, I'm not qualified to like assess our national education like right. landscape right now. Let's just but make I, this clear. Sarah and I are unqualified in every possible way. Always. Every episode. Come back <laughs> yes. for more next week. We will be unqualified to talk about what we're talking about. Um, no, but I, but I do think that, that again, teachers often don't have a lot of choice nope, in what right. they're doing. Um, and that often the answer quote unquote answer, um, is coming down in the form of sure. mandates or oh, more yeah, testing yeah, yeah. or more. It's not necessarily their arbitrariness. It's just coming right. from someplace, right. but it exactly. still feels very arbitrary. After and the, <laughs> the kids are unfortunately paying the price for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if there's any other areas of the middle school and high school that you're seeing, like are, te- are tests and studying for tests a big That's thing? like part of it. It's yeah. part of it. That's so it's of just, it. 
Yeah. yeah. It's like it's rolled in. And, you know, you have kids who breeze through it and really don't yeah. have to try that hard and do fine. And, you know, you also have to like, sometimes I feel like kids, um, especially kids who are achievement oriented, need to really know whether the extra the extra work they have to do to get the A is worth it or if the B, <laughs> if the B is worth it. And I, you know, I mean, I hate to be like, Hey, bring your B game. <laughs> but sometimes, I mean, you have to really look at everything objectively. You can only fit so much into a day. And that's true. Whether you're 15 years old or right. 35, you can't do everything. And we, we hammer this home for parents all the time and other moms, you can't do everything. You know, you can't fit it all in. You have to make right. decisions about how, right. when you're going to leave it and, start again tomorrow. And I don't feel like as a parenting culture, we're doing very good at doing the same thing for our kids. I don't feel like we're, I don't feel like we really mean it when we say a B is okay. Or like, you know, I mean, we we say it. Playing outside is important. Right. Yeah, exactly. We say it, but we we don't No time. And part of the reason we don't really get behind it is because we're so worried about what everyone else thinks. And it goes back to everything. I mean, it's just, it's all this, whether it's, you know, test scores in high school or, you know, whether a kid can tie his shoes in first grade or, you know, whether they are licking the pavement when they're two or whatever it is. So many, so much of the way that we make come to these decisions Mm -hmm. isn't really, isn't really what we, about what we think is the best thing for the kid in the long run. It's kind of like what we bought into or what other people are expecting of us. And it's really hard to break outside of that. And I just shared a few minutes ago how much I I fail at it all the time. But, well, I, I think that's really important to share that. And as I'm listening to you talk about these years that are like ahead of me, yeah. one of the things that's like coming out in my mind is how we have an opportunity to shape the kind of the values that are important in the family, yeah. but also that we can start just vocalizing those early on, not in any kind of like a big official way, but um, I really kind of have evolved in this with the homework thing from not saying anything and trying to toe the line, but like being really mad about it in right. my head, including the the article I wrote for Scary Mommy that we'll link to where I kind of outed myself as hating homework, but I didn't say anything. We were, we were towing the line and we were doing it to then this year. I've just can, sort of like started to be really honest with Allegra. Um, I don't, I'm not bashing the teacher or the system because I don't think that's healthy either to say this dang school and the homework and blah, blah, blah. But just saying, you know, in our family, we value the time that we spend reading and eating dinner together more than homework. So while I respect your teacher and we'll do our best, I've made the decision that it's more important to, for me to have you play with your brother and sister and run around outside than it is for you to do homework. And I've just come right out and said it. And that's like been a big shift for me, but that, I think that that carries through whether Mm -hmm. it's middle school or high school to say, in our family, we believe X. And that doesn't yep. mean, and for, for you and I who like to be perceived as thoughtful, responsible, you know, people in the eyes of teachers and administrators, that's maybe a little scary, but I think it's an important scary because, yeah. you know, then our kids are seeing us advocate for the family. They're seeing us stand up for what we believe is important for our kids. And we're, they're seeing us advocate for them, not not necessarily to get the A or to be the best, but for their overall health and well-being, you know, whatever that looks like for you. So I guess, I guess my long-winded point is that it's okay to say it out loud. I mean, as it evolves, like as it kind of becomes more clear to you, it's okay to say, you know, in our family, here's what we believe and here's why, you know, why we're doing X, Y, and Z, as opposed to just grumbling behind closed doors, which is kind of what... 
kind of <laughs> passive aggressive, right? Which we're really yeah. both really good at being as well. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to add an, an optimistic thought, I guess, before we wrap up. Yeah. And that is, you know, we you mentioned Jenna earlier and she is my yeah. sister-in-law and my best friend and has been a middle school teacher since, oh gosh, I don't know, like 15 years now, long time. I don't know, 13, 14 years, something like that. And I can see from the conversations that we've had that there are, there are definitely, you know, teachers who not only are doing a great job with what is kind of being given to them and, you know, the, the limited options they mm. often have, but are actually fighting to make changes. And yeah. I've seen Jenna has introduced things into her class um, that ended up being really cool. Like yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, they started doing flip teaching. So she would record herself doing lessons oh, and yes. then the kids concept. take those home. Yeah. They get to kind of see the lesson. But then when they're in school, they get to get the help, which right. – reduces then the amount of work yeah. she has to send home yeah. because you know because they're like, actually collaborating because, in the classroom right and then she doesn't lecturing. have to spend yeah. all that time basically just repeating the same lesson over yeah. and over again that gets you know done and, and so um it's more hands-on in class and like more passive at home but she said yeah. that's been one thing that's really worked and they're kind of moving toward this idea that like you know they have to figure out a way to make sure kids are learning what they have to during school hours and if yeah. that means some kids never get home any homework done then those kids still, for whatever reason, because that kid has to work to help support their family or because, you know, for whatever reason, a kid's not getting their homework done. You know, she's very, she has a very strong stance that that is not, yeah. that it's still the school's mandate yeah. to make sure that those kids learn, regardless yeah. of whether they should or shouldn't be doing something outside of yeah. school. She said, the only thing we can control is what's happening in school. Yeah. And I, I think that that's like a really, it's sort of, it's funny that that would be so almost a controversial position Renegade. Kinda, yeah that she's gotten a lot of pushback <clears throat> on um but also a lot of support for her. and you know some of this stuff is going to get worked out because what yeah. i'm seeing you know and we talked about this briefly earlier but what's going to end up happening is if the expectations outside of school get harder and harder the only kids like i said who yeah. are going to be able to keep up with that at some point yeah. are going to be outliers either in yeah. that their parents have more money time resources yeah. Yeah. or frankly motivation yeah. To make it, to like really make the most of that. They and care then, more about <laughs> about doing math worksheets <laughs> with a first grader than you and I do. Well, it's going to be one of the four, yeah. you know, and yeah. that would be very sad. Like if that were to happen where those were the kids, you know, it's the, the, there's already a divide, but the divide will just continue to grow. And so I think that really thoughtful teachers, whether they believe with, you know, whether they agree with her approach or not, don't yeah. want to see that happen. And so I, I find that, um, I don't know, reassuring. To know yeah. that those conversations are happening and not just every now and then, but like all the time. I, yeah, I agree. And and the great teachers will be great teachers no matter how messed up yep. the system is. And yep, they'll find a way. They'll find a way. And they're out there and we love them. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, so, have, we, have we spouted off all of our uninformed opinions? In the- <laughs> I think we have. And we, I have so many informed opinions that I'll link to that it won't even matter. So... <laughs> Please, I say this every week, but really this week, go to themomhour.com, click on episode 45, and and read some of these articles and let us know your comments. Um, you, if you want to email us separately and not have it be on the blog post comments, we're hello at themomhour.com, but I do think it'd be great to have some conversation in the comments, and I will link to, um, I, I have like half a dozen windows open with some of these great articles, some of which I didn't even talk about, so... Yeah. Head cool. over there. Um, before we wrap, we have a regular segment on this show Gosh, where we just update you guys on what's happening in our house this week. It could be anything under the sun. Um, I believe both of our kids are on spring break this they week. Both of our kids, break. all eight of our kids, I should yeah. say. Both of our families. Both of ours people's kids. Yes, so. they are all on spring break. And Sarah, I promised 
everybody out there. I wasn't going to talk about the weather anymore. But I just have to tell you that it was snowing today. I saw your picture. And my yes. husband was in Chicago this weekend, too. So yeah, I mean, it, it bl- like on Saturday, there was a legitimate blizzard. Today oh is just kind of flurries. Gosh. But I couldn't even believe it. April snow is the worst. It made me really, really grumpy. So, so what is it? Is it going to warm up for the rest of the week? Not really. It's not going to be as cold as today, but it's not going to be the best. And what is, what's the plan for spring break for you guys? What are you guys you know, up to? We never do anything on spring break because yeah. honestly, around here, everybody travels. And yeah. so everything is just like, it's crazy trying to get out of town yeah. Yeah. and all the cool places to go are packed. And so yeah. we, and John and I being self-employed, I mean, we just get a lot of opportunities to travel throughout the year and- right. So um, we make the kids wait for really good weather, like when it yeah. happens here, and we will get yeah. away to someplace warm a couple times yeah. a winter, and that yeah. it, it works. We got, you guys are visiting family, we're, right? Yeah, we're traveling. We're up in – I'm recording this from my parents' condo in Santa Barbara right now. Um, yeah. It's a very small space. My parents are building a house, actually, and it's almost done, but it's been almost done for, like, a year. <laughs> um <laughs> And so they're living just temporarily in this condo and it's tiny for my kids. My, Brian didn't come up, but my, the kids and I did. And then my sister's here. Um, and so actually what I was going to mention in what I'm doing this week, other than cramming my family into a small space, is that I took one of the hacks from our friend Asha Dornfest's book, Parent Hacks. Yeah. And I totally borrowed one of the ideas, which was if you're staying with a family in a hotel or small space that doesn't have like a lot of toys or space to run around to bring a roll of painter's tape, like blue painter's tape, because you can do any number of games and activities and it can stick to both floors and walls without tearing off any paint. And so I posted a little video this morning that my kids were playing hopscotch in this tiny living room using a roll of painter's tape. So huge shout out to Asha and the Parent Hats book, which um, just came out and you can order and we'll link to. Yeah. Um, but she's and you can good... go on like any social media and, and just look for the hashtags Parent Hacks now. Yeah. And just, mm-hmm. she's populating them all. It's blown up. It's, it's blown exploded. up. Yes. The book is really cute. Um, it's, it's illustrated. So it's literally like all these little tiny ideas like yeah. that, that you're like, oh my gosh. And a lot of them are geared toward younger, newer parents. And I'm like, so many of them like, duh, why didn't yeah. I think of that? I know. No, it makes you feel so, so, yeah, people are very clever, but. So anyway, I was so excited that I was able to actually use one. So we're traveling, but we are actually going home midweek. So we'll we'll spend the rest of our spring break just doing nothing at home. And that's nice. And this time of year, I feel like kids need it. Like they're, they're just need some time off. So yeah. 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 All right. Well, well, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to us. And we would love to hear your thoughts about homework. Again, it's, you can email us hello at themomhour.com or just visit themomhour.com and leave us a comment. Um, We'll be back next week. We're into April officially now. It's almost our one year birthday. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. Well, we have some fun stuff coming up that is yet undetermined, but we'll let you know at some point. In the works. (laughs) All right. Thanks everybody. All right. See you guys. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K. 
E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left The Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.